Amen. Only He is holy. Only He is worthy. Only He is wonderful. Amen, amen. Well, this morning, we will start a series that will be interrupted next week. <laughs> We're going to start a series called Emmanuel, God with us. And um, next week, we'll have our uh, missionary from Jews for Jesus, David Brickner, will be with us, and he's going to be speaking on the Hanukkah. So we encourage you to come and hear that. It's a wonderful presentation. If you haven't heard David Brickner before, you need to hear him. He is an incredible speaker. So uh, be here with us for that. Um, this morning, I'm going to start with the uh, passage from Matthew 1, 18 through 2, 23. And so don't get too nervous. I know that's a lot of passage, but we will do that within at least two or three hours. We'll have that taken care of. So um, uh, Merry Christmas, by the way. Yeah, there you go. Uh, how many of you remember Pastor Rich Rollins? Yeah, remember him? Yeah, he used to uh, torture us uh, every week when it got into December, and he would ask us, do you have your Christmas tree put up yet? And if you didn't, if you said no, he'd say, what is wrong with you? You need to get your tree put up. And um, so I encourage you, if you don't have your Christmas tree put up, get it put up uh, in honor of Pastor Rich Rollins, if not, no, to honor Christ. Uh, it's a way of acknowledging his birth, and so we say uh, do that at, at your earliest convenience. Um, let us start with verse 18 of chapter 1, and we'll work our way through uh, that section all the way through to um, chapter 2, and I'm going to read the entire thing, and so bear with me. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, had planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah, excuse me, inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me, so that I, may too, that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly, with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, 
Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it still was night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophets. Out of Egypt I called my son. Herod kills the child. Oh, excuse me. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which had been determined by the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. So in looking at this, and when you talk about the birth of Christ, it's a huge subject matter. But um, came up with this title of the, the cost of keeping a promise. The cost of keeping a promise. And there's different angles that we can look at that. Um, there was a price to be paid for Christ to come to the earth. How many of you realize that? Are you awake out there? There was a price that was paid by Christ. He took on flesh and came to the earth, considering it nothing to be in heaven. He came. There was a price, there was a cost in keeping a promise. God had made promises through the prophets. We call them prophecies. I took the liberty of translating that to a promise. He made multiple promises about the child, about the birth of the Savior. A lot of them. Way too many for me to try and cover. If you guys got seven or eight hours, we might get through half of them. And I don't think you want to spend that much time here this morning. So I want to talk about the miracles that were performed to keep God's promise. And those are the, what we found in verses 18 through 25. Um, there are several miracles that took place, like I said, but we don't have time to cover all of them, so I'm just going to cover the ones within this passage. And uh, one of the things I did when I looked at this is the virgin birth of Jesus by Mary. That's verse 18. He says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, before Mary and Joseph came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Okay? That begs the question. To me it did anyway. So since I'm the one preaching, we're going to go through that question that I have in my mind. Who was Mary? Who was she? And why her? Why, why did he choose Mary? Out of all the women that were ever on the earth, on the face of the earth, why Mary? So that got me to thinking, this doesn't really describe it too much in the passage I just read you, but I'm going to take you to Luke, and we're going to look at her. We're going to see what her character looks like. So here we go. Luke 1. Let me jump over to it here. I have it. Okay. Now in the 6th, this is verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, highly favored one. Highly favored. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. So who was Mary? She's someone that God said, You've found favor with me. She was highly favored by God. 
We're going to find out why that is. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Look at her response. It's questioning. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? So there's a confirmation that she's a virgin by her own self. How can this be? I'm a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Not just called Jesus. He'll be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Interesting. The virgin birth is not impossible with God. The barren woman, not impossible when God steps in. Ladies, imagine if you can what was running through Mary's mind about this time. Obviously, the first question is, how can this be? I'm old enough to understand that something else has to take place before I can get pregnant. And that has not happened. So she's questioning it. And remember, they, they believe that Mary was probably between 14 and 15 years old. Okay? So what would you be thinking about at that moment? Guys, I know you can't pretend to be Mary, but we'll give you a chance in a moment to think about what it must have been like to be Joseph. You see, I've wondered many times about what made God choose Mary, what was so special about her. You never read anything about her in scriptures before this. But in these next couple verses, I get a picture of who she is. Look how her response is. Now, I'm trying to ask you to, what your response would be. In your mind, think about that. I, I think... What's she going to tell Joseph? What's she going to say to her family? What's she, wouldn't, wouldn't you think her, she'd give a little pushback? Maybe it's a little pushback. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second, Lord. Do you know, what, you know what's going to happen if I'm pregnant without? What, you know what's going to happen to me? What does she do? I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. What a response. If this is what you want me to do, Lord, may it be as you said. I'm your servant. Oh, the church needs a few Marys in it. Then the angel left her. And she just accepts that this is going to happen. I know that she thought of the different things that would take place, the different shame, the different, but she just says, okay, if that's what you want, Lord, I'm your servant. I'm here to serve. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And then Mary says this, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mary was a woman of faith, which is a characteristic of a righteous person. She believed that what God said in his word, he could and would do. And, he, and Mary was a servant of the Lord. That's what made her special. These qualities were, I'm sure, expressed many times in the early stages and even later in life as she raised Jesus. These qualities of being a servant of the Lord. I'm taking care of the King of Kings. He's in my arms. I'm feeding him. I'm clothing him. The servanthood that she had toward this child. 
And it's interesting. All the while ridiculed for being pregnant without truly being married. You can't tell me she wasn't ridiculed. You can't tell me there wasn't shame. There was. There was. And the importance of her being a virgin. If she wasn't a virgin, if it wasn't the Holy Spirit that was the one that planted a seed in her womb with her egg, if that wasn't him, then there is no Christ on a cross later. It's so important. Dr. Walvard from Dallas Theological Seminary, he was the president there, he said this about the virgin birth. And since it's my alma mater and Pastor Phil's alma mater, I thought I would share it with you. The incarnation, God in flesh, of the Lord Jesus Christ is the central fact of Christianity. Upon it, the whole superstructure of Christian theology depends. It's that important. So what was the cost involved? Well, God gave up a son to die on a cross for you. That was his cost. He gave up being in heaven. Christ himself gave up being in heaven to come and take on flesh. That was his cost. So there was cost there from the heavenly realm, from the deity side even. There was a cost that was being paid. I could talk about that. We talk about that just briefly so you get an idea that at least we understand that part of it. But I want to talk about the cost to Mary, the cost to Joseph. What did it cost them to be obedient to God's word, to submit to his word? Was everything rosy after this? It's all baby showers and, uh, and, and just bliss. I don't believe that for one second, and I don't think you do either. Here it is. We're not, this is not 2022 in America where you can get pregnant outside of wedlock and it doesn't seem to make much difference. No amens on that. But then it made a huge difference. Huge difference. So Mary accepting the role that God had given her, what was her cost? It was all superficial cost in relationship to what she was being asked to do. It was all just what you see. But I think she really believed that this was going to be the, the savior of the world because that's what she had been told. She's like, I can put up with that because the end result will be good. I can face the cost of being shamed in the public market. I can face the fact of my own family not believing that I'm pregnant by not Joseph or somebody else, but by the Holy Spirit. I can face all of that because greater is the one that I'm representing. Greater is he that is in me. Isn't that incredible? And you know that that's what happened. She could have been killed for what was about to take place. According to the Israel and the Hebrew laws, she should have been. Deuteronomy 22. If the husband wasn't pleased with the wife, if she wasn't a virgin when they married, he could take her out into the square and they would stone her. So what about the cloud of suspicion that hung over her? Think that didn't cost her? Here's a woman that when we meet her is seen as the Lord's servant. When we see her before this, we see her as being a faithful person, a righteous individual. And now this happens. It's a great thing, and she even sings the song at the end. From now on, generations will call me blessed. Don't we call her blessed? Isn't she blessed? Highly favored by God? But she still had to pay a price to serve the Lord in the way that he wanted her to. There was some temporary uncomfortability. In the Christian life today, 
to submit and serve the Lord the way he asked you to, you may face some temporary uncomfortability. It will pale in comparison to what eternity will look like, though. So this was just some of her issue based on just being obedient, being the servant, taking on what the Lord said, believing him for what he said. And Mary's suffering, if you will, on behalf of the Lord didn't end after the baby was born. After Jesus was born, look at how many times they had to move to protect the promised one. He's not even two yet, and they've moved four times. Three times, because they started in Bethlehem. But constantly relocating, running for their lives. This is what you signed up for, Mary. It cost her something. And where do they end up back at? They end up back where she started in Nazareth. We'll touch up on that in a minute. Imagine her... Imagine having that conversation, if you will, with Joseph even. We see what happens. He's like, okay, uh, I'm accepting the fact that you're pregnant, but I'm going to divorce you quietly or set you aside quietly. Kind of an interesting uh, thought there. Think about that. That's, That's how Joseph responded to the whole thing. So in verse 19, let's look and see what Joseph, how was Joseph affected by this? And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, so he's identified. Now, here's the thing. We don't know much about Joseph either. Joseph and Mary come on the scene right here in Matthew, and, and, and it's kind of like we know the lineage in verses 1 through 17 solidified the fact that they came by David through the lineage. We see that in the passage. But we don't really know them. We don't know anything about them. What do you know about Joseph right here? Anything? Just that he's betrothed to Mary, which means he's promised to her, and she's promised to him. Betrothed was kind of like an engagement period. It was like a one-year period that they went through. And they ironed out all these different things during that one year. Uh, This was definitely not one of the things that you would iron out during a betrothal period. This would get you in a lot of trouble. But listen to what Joseph says, it says he's a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. He has the right to bring her before the rulers and have her stoned. So I see something about Joseph immediately right here. He's a righteous man, so he wants what is right. But then I see that he must have really really loved Mary he really was in love with this girl disappointed maybe I'm sure he was that's why he was going to send her away plus to hide from all the ridicule keep her from all of that just send her away somewhere secretly until after this baby's been born so another cost a cost to Joseph now he is going to send her away secretly that's not what he wanted to do He doesn't want to be apart from her. He wants to marry this girl. Now this throws a wrench in the whole thing, doesn't it? Does make things a little bit more difficult. So now Joseph is having a cost that he's paying as part of this. But when he had considered this, behold, the angel of the Lord came to him. When he considered sending her away, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and told him, Joseph, son of David, back to the lineage again, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. I gotta tell you something. Mary and Joseph could probably sit and look at each other and think, are we living some kind of science fiction right now? What do you mean the Holy Spirit come on me? She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophets. 
on the promises that were made by God through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call him his name Emmanuel, which translates, translated means God with us. Okay, this doesn't mean they'll name him Emmanuel. They're going to name him Jesus. They just told him up above, you will, you, his name will be Jesus. So they named him Jesus. Emmanuel is something that was, that he was, it was identifying who he was. Like you can know my name and not know me or identify me. If you, if you called me up on the phone and never met me, you say, who are you? I'd say, I'm Larry Howard. That would no more identify who I really am. That would just give you my name. This is, they're saying, he's Emmanuel. This is an identification of who he is. He is God with us. He is God with us. He is God with us. Emmanuel. He's Jesus Christ, but he's God with us. If he was just an ordinary baby through the loins of a man, he could not have saved anyone. He's God with us. He had to take on deity. He was not take on, he was deity. And he will save us. He saved his people from their sins. God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. This is like the ultimate hallmark story. Seems like everything's going to work out really well. But he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And they called him, and he called his name Jesus. Everything that we see, in my perspective, looking at this, everything that we see about Mary, the submissiveness, the righteousness, the, the servanthood, Joseph just did the same thing. He did the exact same thing. He understands. You, why do you think he said, I'm going to send her away in a secret place? What do you think he did that for? In my perspective, he's trying to hide from the ridicule. We're not going to take this on the chin. We're going we're to put you away secretly. Because I could have you killed, but I love you too much, Mary. I don't want to do that to you. I don't want you to be dishonored like that. So instead, now he signs up to take the same ridicule. Another miracle took place there too, by the way. You know, angels don't just come and show up in your dreams. Those are miracles that are happening when the angel comes and talks to you. They're, the miracles that are happening in the prophecies that are being fulfilled right here in this passage are incredible. You know, these different prophecies as they're fulfilled, you can't line them up like this and, and do any better. There's only one way that happens, and it's, it's impossible for man to have designed it this way. But remember we read a little earlier when we were talking about Mary and her cousin Elizabeth. All things are possible with God. A couple things that I saw in looking at this. Joseph signs up for all the responsibility of being the husband and taking care, providing for Jesus. You know that in Scripture, you never find a place where Joseph is ever referred to dad or father of Jesus. It's not there. He's doing all the actions of a father. He's worked, and he was a hard worker. He built houses for a living, basically. He was like a... In, in the Bible times here, when you were a carpenter, you did stone masonry and you did some woodwork. It was both of those combined. So if he's building homes, he's doing both. So it's a lot of hard work. He was a hard worker. And he's providing. And Mary was from Nazareth, which is one of the poorest places in the country. So they didn't have a lot of wealth. But he signed up to take care of this God child, if you would. Signed up to provide all the things for that yet was never, would never be called dad by him, would never be considered his father, because, of course, he wasn't. He wasn't really. 
The Holy Spirit was the one that impregnated her. But I think that's part of the cost of keeping the promise. One of the costs was that Mary and Joseph's lives would be terribly interrupted. But yet, so wonderfully interrupted. And Mary's doesn't end here. She's going to have to say goodbye to her son at 33 and watch him die on a cross. Yeah, easy assignment, isn't it? No, it is not. She was, but she was called highly favored. I, I sometimes think I, I don't want to be that highly favored. I don't want to bury my kids. They're supposed to bury me the way, I, the way I see it. Of course, I'm not in charge of that. So those are some of the, just the miracles that had to take place and some of the, the costs that were paid to get the promise here. God paid a price. Jesus himself paid a price. There was a cost involved in getting a baby in a manger. And then the participants that got him here had to pay a cost. Are you today as a Christian paying any costs? Are you, are you doing any of the things that God has asked you to do? Are you being a servant? Are you, are you living the righteous life he has for you and, and being a servant? Are you doing any of these things? He's got so many things he wants to do with you and so many promises to have fulfilled in you when you're in the process of doing those things. And then I love how the, the virgin birth was connected to the Isaiah prophecy, how he connected that in here. Matthew did a, Matthew was a wonderful writer. And um, all inspired by God. Don't get me wrong, I know, I know who the, where it comes from, but he, the way his style of writing was incredible. So that takes us to one of the other segments, and we're really not done with all the miracles. There's more of them. There's more um, coming up. There's more cost in here than I can cover because it'll be here way too long if I try to do that. But I also want to look at the obstacles that had to be overcome for this promise to be kept. There's a lot of them throughout Scripture, tons of obstacles. We, we spoke about it in our preaching team meeting, and we just I was warned to stop. <laughs> Don't go through all of those because we'll be here forever. And uh, Pastor Phil told me one time that Criswell spoke for seven hours on a Sunday morning. And, uh, but then he quickly told me that doesn't mean I have seven hours. So I think I grasped that pretty quickly too. But we were laughing about that a little bit. But I, I want to talk about some obstacles that were in the way. And just in our passage, just in our passage. I want to talk about the wisdom of the Magi and the foolishness of Herod. And Herod was the obstacle. Not just Herod, though. Look at that. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Let me tell you, these, these Magi were some very intelligent men from the east. They believed to come out of Persia, they had been waiting upon the arrival of the Messiah for over, oh, 600 years, somewhere in that neighborhood. Now, these men weren't 600 years old, don't get me wrong. That was passed down through generations of the Magi. And it's believed that that Magi goes all the way back to Daniel. He was part of the Magi at one point, and he was teaching the Magi about the coming of Christ, the Messiah. And so they had studied that. They had studied the Old Testament scriptures that they had to the point of memorization, pretty much. And they had been watching and waiting for the coming of the Messiah. So them showing up on the doorstep was surprising to Herod, but probably not as surprising to them. They had been waiting and watching and, and wanting for this. When Herod the king heard this, he rejoiced. 
Oh, no, no, that's not what it says. Huh? He was troubled. He was troubled. He's the king. And he's troubled by the fact that they've said, there's another king. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Hmm, we see an obstacle coming right now. Herod doesn't like this at all. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. He can't be king and me be king. One of us has got to go. That's basically what his thought was. That's why he was troubled. Whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean there's another king? How can that be? I don't know if you notice in this narrative, but there's a lot of like, like in, very inquisitive questions that come up when you're told certain things. Like, what? So he was pretty surprised by that, which would tell me that Herod himself was probably not a studier of scriptures because he wasn't looking for another king at all. He was the king, and he was an evil man. He was a pretty wicked dude. So what's he do? Well, let me gather up the people that should know about this. I'm going to gather up the priests and the, the Pharisees, and we're going to grab all these people, we're going to pull them together, we're going we're to find out where to send these guys. So he gathers them up, the priests, the scribes and, and, of the people, and he inquires of them, where is, where is the Messiah to be born? Where, where exactly is that supposed to take place? Because it appears now in my mind, if I'm Herod, like, apparently he's here. Because you got these guys coming saying he's here. And so where would that be exactly? And so, obviously, they had studied it because they knew exactly where that was supposed to be according to the Scriptures. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what was written by the prophet. Points them right where they're supposed to go. Bethlehem of Judea. And it says, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly gets the Magi and says, Hey, when, when you go and find him, would you please return to me and let me know where he's at? Because I want to go worship him too. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Thank God that God let them know, go another direction home. Don't go by way of Herod. Don't tell him where the child's at. After hearing the king they went their way, and the star which was there, they went and followed that star which had been, sent, been seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, you know, after coming into the house, these men are important men, these magi. They're highly intelligent, very wealthy. They are what they call king makers. They can make somebody a ruler because they have so much influence and so much wealth. So, and, and I say that just to, to see this verse 11. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. These are men that I would dare say were used to being worshiped. We're used to having people bow to them. But when they get in the presence of this infant well he wasn't an infant probably at this point he's a little bit older but when they get in the presence and see him with mary they bow on their face they fall on their faces and worship incredible then opening their treasure they presented to him gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh and having been warned by god in a dream not to go that way they went another way now when they had gone behold an angel of the lord you know these angels keep showing up throughout this an angel comes and tells me what to do. An angel comes and tells them what to do. An angel comes and warns them. Those are not small things, people. Those are major, major miraculous things, miraculous, miracle-type things that are going on. All of the things, all of the costs to be able to get a promise out there that God had made. The angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and says, Get up, take the child in his... Notice this. Take the child and his mother. Hmm. And flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother. 
never says he took his son, does he? He says he took the child and his mother. The child and his mother. You see, Joseph never gets that recognition. Doesn't deserve it, not supposed to get it, but I, it's wonderful to watch how it's written so it proves once again that Joseph was not involved in this child other than just helping raise him and take care of him. So he remained there. They remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. So they called him out of Egypt. Excuse me, I'm sorry. So Joseph got up. Ah, go back again, sorry. Uh, back to 13. Now when they gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother while it was still night, and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Another promise or another prophecy fulfilled. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinities from two years old and under according to the time which he had been determined by the Magi. You talk about a cost. You talk about a cost. This evil man, because he was so worried about this king, slew how many children? We don't know. There's no number given. But all male children, two and under, were eliminated in that town and in the surrounding areas. That's a high cost, people. Think of this, though. Because the Magi had tricked him and Joseph had obeyed the angels of the Lord that were sent, Jesus keeps surviving. The promise continues. And though maybe thousands of children were slain, Jesus himself is rescued. The promise continues that millions might know him and be saved. Millions might be too small a number. Billions, more than likely. But there was a cost. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. And I'm just trying to make sure I cover these different prophecies. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. You notice the obedience of Joseph in this. Every time the angel appears, he's probably thinking, oh no, really? We gotta move again? Yeah, pack it up, Mary. We're back the back the van in, we're leaving again. It's a constant through here. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, like father, like son is what he was thinking, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream again, he left for the regions of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Multiple prophecies lined up in sequential order happening to protect the promise and the prophecies being fulfilled. Amazing. Amazing. Only men could not have planned it Men could not have made it happen. It was God. When, and what did we see there in that Luke passage? Again, we run back to that one where Elizabeth is considered barren, but with God, all things are possible. All these prophecies that are fulfilled. And there's multiple more. This is the ones in this passage. If we went into the Old Testament and started looking at the prophecies, you go all the way back to Genesis 3, people. All the way back to Genesis 3, where it's promised that he will bruise the head of the serpent. 
You know, they're talking about the Messiah there. That's how early on he's predicted to be coming. He's prophesied. The promise is right there. Early, early on in the history of the world, the promise of the Messiah is made. And now you start seeing it in this passage. Oh, here he, he's here. Now he's here. These prophecies are being, they're just being checked off one at a time. And, there's, and, and I looked at commentaries, they said, it's impossible for it to have happened this way except for God. So the obstacles in this passage was try and kill him, get rid of him, eliminate him, destroy him, as said in the passage. And that was Herod, and not just Herod. Remember it said that all of Jerusalem was troubled. Well, when you're troubled with someone, the best way to have, not to have to worry about them anymore is just eliminate them. And when you're the king, you can do that. A wicked king. So it's kind of interesting how that worked. So now, okay, here we are. We see the, the, the point of the sermon was the cost of keeping a promise. It cost God dearly, it cost Jesus, it, it cost Mary, it cost Joseph. And you know what? You as a believer in Christ, there's supposed to be a cost associated. There was a huge cost associated before you became a believer. That cost was paid by Jesus Christ himself. The one that's promised here is also the one that makes you a promise. If you believe in my name and keep my precepts, you'll never see death. You'll live with me eternally. That's the promise of the one that came. So I think the, the question that I have for you, and then we'll, then we'll close this. The thing I want you to try and take with you, the, what we call, what will you remember on Monday morning? Well, hopefully you'll remember that there was a child born and that that's what Christmas really is. It's the birth of our Savior. That's Christmas. All the other things are commercialized. And don't get me wrong, I love my Christmas tree and all of that. Don't, don't get me wrong. But you got to keep perspective on this. My question is, where are you at with that baby who was raised, who became a Savior and died on a cross on your behalf? Where are you at? Are you like Herod? wanting to eliminate it, get it out of your mind, not think about it anymore. There are some that when they're presented with the gospel, they just go, ah, I don't want to hear that. If that's you this morning, would you reconsider it? Why, how would you reconsider it? Just take a look at these passages and look at how these prophecies have been fulfilled, how they just line up. There's a reason it's like that. It's to prove that he's who he said he was. It's to prove that he truly was God in man. Man with God in him. He's the God-man. That's what the whole point is. Because if he's not, and he just died on a cross, he's a, a, a human hero. That's about it. But he can't forgive any sin. He can't. So my question to you is, which will you be? Will you be like the Magi and bow before him and worship and accept him who he is? Or will you be like Herod and say, I want no part of it. I just want to eliminate him. Get it out from underneath me. Get away from me with that. You ever talk to anybody about Jesus and they go, ah, I don't believe that stuff. You ever been with people like that? I certainly have. Let me tell you, if you're here and you believe in Jesus Christ and, and you're a believer and you're, you're a Christian, you're saved, you're, you're in him, Are you serving him? Are you serving him? If not, why? Why don't you give him the gift of your service? He wants all of you. He wants to see you serve. And guess what? This is this wonderful thing with God. Try and outdo him. Just try. Try and outdo him. Let me tell you something. 
if you serve him if you truly get into that servant mode and start submitting to his word and submitting to his will i'm going to promise you i'll make you a promise right now you'll never be happier you won't chase money if you want chase all the things of this world but until you meet my savior and start serving him you'll not find happiness this is my merry christmas gift to you believer you can this christmas can be much merrier than any one you've ever had if you'll just start submitting to his will and accept him as who he is as your lord and your savior And then to those of you who don't know him, we just pray that you won't be a Herod. We pray that you'll be like the Magi. We can't save you personally. We can't do anything for you there. That's a God thing. But we'll sure share with you. And we'll, we'll walk you through what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be saved, what it means to be born again. We'll do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the word of God is so alive and real that we can take a look at what you've done and see how you've kept your promises. And oh, I pray that we at Valley Bible who know you have a personal knowledge of who you are. I would pray we would start to live on your promises that we would start to serve you and then watch you do magnanimous things through our lives. Watch you use us as ambassadors that others might know you. Um, and there'll, there'll be some cost. There always is. But it's a temporal cost compared to the eternal rewards and the eternal, oh, we want to take people to heaven with us, Lord. We, we really want to take people to heaven with us. Thank you for sending your son. And uh, thank you for fulfilling the prophecies that you had prophets write down that we might know that he's truly been here, that he truly is who he said he was. May you take us from here now. In Jesus' name, amen.